Welcome to Home Health 360, a podcast presented by Aliacare. I'm your host, Jeff Howell, and this is the show about learning from the best in home health care from around the globe. Hi, folks, and thanks again for tuning into this episode of Home Health 360, where we speak with home health and home care leaders from across the globe. Today, I'm speaking with a healthcare expert with a broad background in program management, including extensive oversight of content development for events, websites, magazines, and social media targeted to professional healthcare audiences. I'm with Tim Craig, the VP and Chief Content Director for Lincoln Healthcare Leadership, the company that brings us Home Care 100 and has a number of other related brands like Long-Term Care 100 and Senior Living 100. Tim is also the Managing Director of the HI2 Conference, which stands for the Home Care Innovation and Investment Conference. Conferences are a vital part of making connections, learning from each other, and being a source of inspiration. And they are back. So today is all about home care and home health conferences. And Tim, I'm delighted to have you on the show. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be here and looking forward to today's conversation. So Lincoln Healthcare Leadership has a rich history of creating valuable networks and facilitating best practice sharing and delivering original business insights, really specifically for top tier healthcare providers. How long has it been around and uh, what's it all about? Yeah, well, so we started in 98 and and I say we somewhat liberally because I was not around then, uh, but David Ellis is, is the brainchild behind Lincoln Healthcare Leadership. And he started it with a single conference uh, oriented around long-term care and very quickly uh, branched into home, home care um, and then senior living. Um, and then we've moved into some other areas, not least of which is investment in senior care services. And um, our sort of general positioning is quite simple. Um, we are very much a top-to-top organization. So we bring the leadership's uh, of various provider organizations in our respective sectors, together with other leaders um, who are basically service companies to help them um, in their endeavors. And uh, together they uh, you know, put their minds together for three or four days, typically in a, in a retreat setting, a very heavy emphasis on education. Um, we're changing a little bit. So um, um, I know we're gonna get into this in a little bit, but we're, we're um, changing a little bit about um, kind of how we go about making those connections. Um, but essentially, that's really the, if you call it the, the secret sauce, um, it has worked very well for us. Um, and it's a high touch, um, high value experience. Um, and if you've ever been to one of our events, you also know that we typically hold them in pretty, pretty nice locations. And that's kind of the part of the promise is that you're going to get away from the office and, and really have the opportunity to dig in deep on the things that are going to move your three areas, strategy, leadership, and innovation. So that's kind of our pillar, and uh, it has worked well for us, and we've uh, established some really good roots in, in the areas that we serve. So for the listeners following along, if you wanted to go to LincolnHC.com, that's L-I-N-C-O-L-N-H-C.com. So Tim, I clicked on the... 2022-2023 calendar. And so it looks like you guys have five brands and then an intelligence group. So let's go through these one at a time. We'll go in order on the website. Home Care 100. Not everyone knows about this. The first time that I came across it, um, it's really just the club of the top 100 home care and home health agencies in the United States. And there, I believe there's a revenue uh, cut off. I don't know if you have any other criteria, but it basically is you have to apply uh, to come to the show. Can you tell us more about Home Care 100? Sure. So uh, going back to my comments earlier about starting in long-term care and then branching into home care, one of the things around uh, the Home Care 100 conference and, and uh, quite frankly, the Home Care 100 success is that we got in very early. If you can think about organizations right now for whom the greater world of home care is just appearing on their radar. And you think back to the fact that we started 20 years ago, um, I would attribute a lot of that to the vision of, of our president, David Ellis, who realized that slowly but surely care would migrate into the home. Um, and we got in very early. 
are three core pillars of Home Care 100 um, because the word home care itself can be a little bit of a misnomer. Uh, home care is used really in two ways in the industry at large. One, of course, is for personal care. So when you say it's a home care agency, typically it's a um, non-Medicare certified um, uh, entity. It's more ADLs and companionship and what have you. But we use home care in a much broader sense. So home care writ large for the entire industry of in-home care services. And that would be uh, certified home health, personal care uh, in hospice. And recently that's expanded. It's expanded and it's expanding. As, as we're having this conversation today, I think it's safe to say that um, what constitutes um, home care in the, in the grand scheme now includes pre-hospice palliative care, um, in-home physician services, in-home behavioral health. Um, you know, these are all things that are slowly but surely gaining greater foothold within the home care 100 world. And so we serve a, a lot of different masters. Um, for the most part, our cutoff, especially in the, in the um, more um, developed areas like home health, has a threshold of uh, uh, $40 million and above um, in, cer in certain titles. So uh, C-level executives, um, and then as larger organizations can bring more people, um, uh, we, we have uh, uh, the ability to accommodate um, uh, SVPs and VPs uh, with the understanding that in some of those larger organizations, an SVP could actually have a fairly um, significant oversight for a large book of business um, that could be regional. Um, and so, um, you know, we sort of make exceptions there. But for the most part, it's a C-level conference um, for large organizations. And to your comment earlier, it really is um, um, represented by the top 100 quite well. Right. So I'm on homecare100.com uh, right now, and I can see that the next, uh, the next gathering is January 22nd to the 25th in 2023 at the Ritz-Carlton Orlando. One common theme I'm seeing here is that the getaways all seem to be uh, in Florida and Arizona, maybe a few other states, but um, the hero shot on the website clearly shows me that this is going to be maybe a little uh, vacation for me as well if I'm going. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's a really interesting um, thing because uh, there's a fine line between um, hosting an event at a very nice venue um, and uh, hosting an event that um, um, plays out more like a boondoggle. And we're very, very, very careful to be certain that um, we stay true to our objectives of putting on um, a high-quality event. Um, and it, it, uh, it sort of maintains a certain standard on a lot of different levels, education-wise, um, and caliber of attendee, um, and even right down to the types of, of dinners and, and what have you that, that we host. Um, yeah, we, we hold them at nice events for sure. Um, in an ideal world, we would hold all of our events at five star. Um, so that's the typical uh, categorization for us. Um, the irony, of course, is that, um, you know, once you get to a larger um, conference, in, and Home Care 100 is becoming a larger conference, it's harder to find venues um, that can accommodate, you know, the, the 500 plus people. Um, so that's a, a little bit of a challenge for us, but um, with some, some good creativity, I'm sure we'll, we'll be able to make our way through. I was also going to make the comment that the suppliers seem to be at that same level as well, because I would imagine um, there's a high bar for them to uh, enter these uh, conferences. And so for these uh, larger organizations, they probably can beeline it a little bit faster to the suppliers that uh, are a little bit more well-funded or just sort of uh, have that natural seat at the table for these bigger companies. Yeah, well, I mean, there's no doubt about the fact that at, at Home Care 100 uh, in particular, um, not only do we attract the, the very top in terms of the provider community, but we also attract the very top in terms of the vendor community, like Care being, being one of those organizations. And, and um, it, uh, it makes for a really good sort of top-to-top -top gathering. So um, we, we value those relationships greatly. Okay. So moving over to SeniorLiving100.com. Um, tell me a little bit more about this conference. So Senior Living um, is, 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 is a really important event for us. Um, Senior Living 100, the way we define it, is um, 
mostly private pay senior housing. So that would be um, AL, IL, uh, CCRCs, and, and memory care. And um, our somewhat unique distinction in the market is that we are um, very much uh, uh, agnostic when it comes to the ownership structure. So we, we have about half of our organizations are for-profit and half of the organizations are not for-profit. And, um, you know, our philosophy is, is that those two worlds can and do learn from one another. Um, and if, you know, you sort of peel back the onion on that industry, uh, you come to realize that there's a lot of bifurcation. Organizations either go for one or the other. Um, and, and we have found a nice balance where we bring, bring both together. Um, the qualifications for Senior Living 100 um, are of a certain size threshold. So uh, typically um, about um, 1,000 units and above. Um, and so, you know, if a typical uh, AL, IL has about 100 um, uh, units, it's about, you know, 10 and above. So not for the mom and pops and the one-offs, um, but, but definitely for the, the medium to large um, regional and, of course, national organizations. And is the 1,000 units and above roughly the senior living equivalent to the $40 million in, re- in revenue for home care? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, the, the, yeah, that's that's a, that's a that's a good way of looking at it. Okay. Our sweet spot, if you were to sort of look at an attendee roster, tends to be the more progressive, larger regional um, players, um, fewer of the national players, and and there's there's a good reason for that. You know that that world, if you if you know and you dig into senior living, you come to realize that. There are organizations that are more operator centric and then organizations that are a little bit more real estate centric. And we, we definitely fall into the categorization of more operator centric. Our ideal attendee at Senior Living 100 is sort of the operator's operator, innovative, um, um, high, high on programming, high on marketing, um, and, um, um, uh, you know, sort of progressive, if you will, in the way in which they are growing and advancing their organizations. So that's interesting. And then the large national players, it's almost like uh, when Ray Kroc said McDonald's is in the real estate business and that's uh, their, their focus on their business. And that isn't to say that the, the large ones aren't innovative. There are many, many that are, and they do really, really good things. Um, it's, it's just an interesting thing when you get to, it's, it's almost equivalent to, we used to be in the health system space. And um, what we found is that uh, we had absolutely no uh, desire to define ourselves as the largest health systems because the largest health systems were a completely different beast. Um, the CEO of a $15 billion health system really doesn't have the bandwidth um, to sit down and, and sort of rub elbows with other CEOs um, or if they do, they really want to make sure that it's a very, very select set. Um, and, and what we found, similar to what we find with senior living, is that our best constituent is the one that um, sees value in getting together with other like-minded, progressive C-level executives uh, for a few days to, to share strategy. Um, and that tends to be more in the mid-range than in the very high stratosphere um, for both senior living and, and for health systems. Yep. Okay. That makes sense. So that's seniorliving100.com. And the next uh, event looks like that leadership conference is in March of 2023. So now if I'm over at ltc100.com, is this the original? This is it. Okay. This is it. So David Ellis, our president and founder, um, had worked in um, a media organization focused on long-term care and branched off on his own in 1998 and bootstrapped together um, basically the beginnings of Lincoln Healthcare Leadership. Uh, at the time, it was just LTC 100, um, and um, it was significantly smaller than it is now. Um, but now LTC 100 and, and probably Home Care 100 are, are as close as you can get to representative of our core model, which is what we call our 100s. Um, and uh, it is for this uh, the senior uh, excuse me the skilled nursing uh, facilities uh, industry nursing homes. It's evolved a little bit um, as the industry has evolved. So you you have your typical SNF, but then you also have transitional care units. 
that tend to be um, entirely focused around short stay. Um, um, but for the most part, you know, that, that industry hasn't changed all that much. And, and I would say <laughs> that that's both good and bad. Um, it's actually one of, the, one of the things that that industry is struggling with right now is that it hasn't changed um, all that much and, and, and it needs to. Um, and, you know, I'm sure it hasn't got lost on anyone who is listening to this podcast today that um, the last couple of years have not been all that kind to that industry. And so I think right now there's a very, very interesting um, uh, phenomenon where organizations are trying to sort of pick themselves back up and figure out um, where do we go from here? Um, part of it is um, licking the wounds of the last couple of years and then taking a long, um, hard, deep look in the mirror and saying strategically, you know, what do we want to be? What do we need to be? Um, and does that require reinvention? Does it require um, getting into home care, for example? You know, that's a big, big topic that's going to be coming up um, uh, amongst a lot of those organizations is, you know, we we have owned um, a higher acuity skilled service, um, albeit in a facility. Can we transfer some of those skills into a home setting, um, in, perhaps in support of something like hospital at home? Um, sure. and, and what does that look like? But um, C-level executives from, from large, regional, and national skilled nursing facilities, um, and we have a very good, loyal following, um, and um, that's coming up in, in about a month or so, um, and we're looking forward to, to that one. Um, that's a really, really good one for us. Yeah, and certainly hospital home has become a real big buzzword, but uh, you're also starting to see sniff at home as you know something that people are looking into as well. Yeah, for sure. Sniff at home is is without a doubt um, um, sort of on everyone's radar, and um, it, it's funny because you could look at sniff at home from the lens of uh, a home health operator, just like you could look at sniff at home from the lens of a skilled nursing facility. And you know, in one lens, it's more of an opportunity; in the other, more of a threat. Um, but it definitely has and will have an impact on both. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so I'm on htcexpo.com. So HTC stands for, uh, what does it stand for? Here? Home care tech. Home care tech, all right. <laughs> so, so home care tech is, is interesting for us because it's our newest. Um, uh, it, it's launching this year. And, um, okay. you know, when you're in the home care world as much as we are, um, it never gets lost on you that technology um, it sort of finds its way into every conversation. And it can be technology um, from a sort of SaaS perspective, or it can be technology um, from a consumer perspective. Um, I think it's safe to say that really our sweet spot is more of a B2B perspective. The technology that will enhance the delivery of care for a home care professional. Um, and so when you sort of peel back the onion on, on that, clearly there are, are things that, that jump right out, um, telehealth for one and remote patient monitoring. Um, and then it kind of just splinters from there. There's, there's all sorts of um, technology enhancements um, from um, integrating um, Alexa uh, into your care plan um, to um, apps that, that facilitate um, wound management. Um, so, you know, it's it's broad and it's wide um, and it's exciting. And um, uh, we're going uh, after it in full force because we really believe that that convergence of technology and home care um, kind of it's like a symbiotic relationship. One feeds the other um, and technology is going to be the thing that ultimately will put home care into a whole nother world in terms of its ability uh, to serve um, a greater population seamlessly. And so um, we're excited about it. Yeah, I love the I love this idea because um, it's sort of like the IT person's dream to just go to one conference that's really focused on their persona and, uh, you know, companies sending and saying, hey, keep on top of all the latest developments in technology in one conference. And uh, from a from a supplier standpoint, um, you know, it's not sort of a mixed bag of, uh, of personas that would be at a conference like this. It would be the people that want to stay on top of the latest technologies that are out there. So this is a really interesting theme to have for uh, a home care show. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because 
when when you think about home care 100 in in, in you, you could look at home care 100 and say you know we try to be all things to all people in one conference but um already we have our hands full with strategy leadership and, and innovation and and then you get into these questions around um how do we integrate you know data and how do we integrate um technology into a conference like that and we run out of real estate and and so this is really exciting for us because now it gives us a whole new venue where we can say let's let's really go deep much deeper than one or two you know random sessions let's build an entire conference um, around it um and so and that's what we're doing and and it's going to be an expo so it's a, it's a hybrid between um the model that we've known so and 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 done so well, which is more of a, a top-to-top strategic um, uh, uh, dialogue. Uh, this is also going to be um, every bit uh, the the show and tell that you would expect from a, from an expo environment. Um, but um, we also believe that there will be lots of opportunities to to infuse some some content that um, uh, inspires um, a more strategic conversation. Yeah. So let's uh, let's end it here with your. Uh, I'm assuming so. You're the managing director for the HI2 conference, and it's just hi2conf.com. And the uh, the slogan is "Where Home Care Deals Happen." So, uh, and it's coming up in Chicago in June. So, tell us a little bit more about this. Yeah, sure. So, so starting with the name, um, <laughs> it's funny because it, it's hard to get the name HI squared to stick because it's hard to represent that, you know, in a written form. Um, but the HI2 is HI squared, and it's uh, simply the innovation plus investment. Um, and uh, this launched in 2019 as a slightly broader version of what it is today. So um, we had known for a long time that um, investment in healthcare services um, is, is heating up um, even before the pandemic, uh, going back really until 2015, 2016, um, the amount of private equity money um, that was uh, sitting around um, waiting for, you know, the, the sort of the dry powder phenomenon, waiting for the right opportunity um, was, was building. Um, and then we really saw it take off and we said, you know, this this is an area we need to get back into because we were in um in the investment in, in post-acute services with a conference that we hosted several years ago called HCAP. Um, and we decided to get back in because we really felt the timing was right. And when we did that in 2019, um, the thing that, that quickly became obvious to us is that um, there, there is a relatively narrow band of hot areas that, that um, um, investors are looking to get into. And it just so happens, logically, um, because of what we know about what's happening in home care, that a lot of home-oriented services um, are where a lot of the activity is happening. And um, recently, we decided to take that narrowing and just take it to a whole nother level and, and make it all about um, home-oriented services. So essentially, what started in 2019 um, as a little bit broader around healthcare services in general, um, including things like dental um, and other areas where we know there are some, some um, a lot of investment activity, has now been narrowed into essentially, um, you know, home health, personal care, hospice, um, palliative care, um, in-home physician services, um, in-home behavioral health. And then there's a couple of other areas that are also sort of on the periphery DME, uh, if you will. Um, and uh, this is really going to be um, um, the place where home care buyers and home care sellers um, uh, come together um, around a dialogue uh, built on uh, innovation, growth, um, and investment opportunities. And um, the reception thus far has been phenomenal. I, I, I can't really frame it any other way. We're very pleased with, with the way in which it's been received um, in, in, the, uh, in the greater home care world. And um, we're in the middle of building the program right now, and, it, and it's just super exciting. I can't think of another industry where the biggest player has less than 5% of the pie. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Usually you have a Coke and a Pepsi and then you've got everyone else who fights it, fights for the last uh, 20 or 30% market share. And the level of fragmentation in home care is, uh, you know, makes it so ripe 
for consolidation. And if you think about how young the industry actually is, right? Like Griswold is the oldest uh, home care franchise and they started in the 1980s. That wasn't very long ago. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, with that being said, it does feel as though there are a couple of uh, deep pocket players that are slowly but surely emerging as forces in the industry. And I mean, it, it is what it is, but you, you look at Humana and their purchase of Kindred and you say, okay, mm-hmm. that I see that. That's, you know, maybe up until now that was kind of a one-off. And then Optum comes along and, and acquires LHC and, and that gets everyone's attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we're probably, um, we haven't yet seen um, what is going to probably be larger players um, staking a claim at the industry. Um, and up until now, you know, the, the, the world of home care has been sort of defined by a, a fairly simple concept of um, disparate um, um, but fairly traditional home health, personal care, and hospice players. And it doesn't take much imagination to, to understand that there are other forces that are probably going to start to to really um, move aggressively, it, whether it's, um, you know, Walgreens um, um, and Village MD um, and what that looks like when it, when it sort of um, coalesces and, and comes together in something that's a little bit um, easier to understand. But even health systems um, um, and 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 sort of watching where hospital at home is going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what does that look like in five to 10 years from now? It's kind of fascinating. And so HI Squared, um, we believe, has the opportunity to bring together a lot of these different um, um, players, whether they're sort of traditional strategics um, in the form of, say, Emeticist buying Contessa, um, or um, someone else like, you know, KKR or um, a large health system um, or a large payer um, that is um, making a big play into in-home care delivery. Sure. And we saw Advocate Aurora buying senior helpers. Um, Amazon has kind of quietly gotten into uh, the, the business. Home Instead was acquired by... Um, Honor. Honor, that's right. Yep. And uh, just yesterday, I saw Help at Home just acquired a couple of big agencies in New York as well. So um, I certainly think that I agree with you that this was pre-pandemic a trend. And then I would say that COVID has really accelerated the difference between the haves and the have-nots and really accelerated uh, you know, private equity coming in, particularly in what, uh, what you had mentioned about and what's been happening with the SNF world uh, over the last couple of years as well. You know, Jeff, the other thing that I might say is, is that, you know, we're, up until now, the, the conversation around HI squared has been sort of who's buying whom and, and, and who's getting larger and where's consolidation happening to a certain degree. I think the other piece around what's happening in home care is, is fascinating because kind of behind the scenes, you're seeing a, a pretty big shift. And I think that's where things are really interesting to see how um, acuity is, is going to play out. So, so if you were to say right now and ask maybe five different entities who they thought was going to win out in hospital at home, you'd probably get five very different answers. Um, I know that um, there are some traditional home health organizations um, that hope and, and think it's going to be them. Um, and I'm sure there are some health systems that hope and think it's going to be them. And I think there's some private equity that hopes and thinks it's going to be them and, you know, go down the line, um, uh, insurers, what have you. I guess my point is um, the whole world of higher acuity in the home is still very much an undefined future as to who's going to own that space. Um, And I think a lot of the dialogue that happens at a Home Care 100 or at an HI Squared or at our Home Care Intelligence Group or perhaps even at home care tech, is the degree to which um, some of the organizations that have traditionally been in the home um, can uh, reinvent themselves as much higher acuity capable entities. Um, and can they rightfully stake that claim 
uh, for that piece of the, of the business or whatever other piece of the business, whether it's chronic care management or what have you, comes down the road. Because in reality, that's not how they were structured, right? In reality, Medicare certified home health organizations were not meant to provide um, longitudinal care. It was get in and get out. Um, and, and so um, when you say earlier that we're kind of still in our infancy, I'd say that, yeah, we really are in our infancy in that regard as to who's going to be able to put together that comprehensive longitudinal care model that's going to be able to keep eyes on the patients all the time, that's going to serve a population health construct, that's going to be able to take risk um, and, and work well with managed Medicare Advantage. It's, it's fascinating to watch it all play out. And I think there's lots of players um, that are going to um, emerge over the course of the next couple of years as, as significant forces to fulfill that vision. Yeah. What, uh, what ways do you think that uh, home health has been both set back and vaulted forward due to uh, the last two years? Well, the setback is sort of the low-hanging fruit. It's sort of the, 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 the obvious piece, and, and I know we're probably all a little tired of hearing about it, but it's, but it's certainly not going away, and that is staffing. And, you know, there's not a, a day or a week that goes by that you don't talk to someone and, and they say, um, you know, were it not for staffing issues, we'd be growing at a much um, higher clip. And, and, and so that's, that's definitely a, an impediment um, for, for the immediate term. Um, you know, as to where that goes in the next couple of years, I guess, is is the thing that on a lot of people's minds um, to, to understand both on a micro level, but then what what could potentially happen on, on sort of a more macro level in terms of legislation and, and things that could help ease the staffing pressures. Um, but um, in terms of, of where things are going, I mean, you know, when you, when you look at so you said the word home health, but but I'll maybe answer it through the lens of, of personal care. I think it's really fascinating to see what has happened in the last couple of years when um, skilled nursing facilities and assisted living facilities were facing um, a tremendous pressure to the point where, um, you know, not only did um, adult children not want to place their parents in those facilities, but in many respects, they were taking them out of those facilities. And then they asked themselves, what is, what is my option? What is my alternative? And there was a little bit of a, of a coming of age of the personal care business because people came to realize, wow, you know, I could have someone come into my home and, and do those services. And I guess I'm not even sure I knew that existed before. And we heard anecdotally through a lot of people, whether it's, you know, right at home or home instead or, or any organization, um, that um, that was happening um, at a very frequent basis where people would come to them and say, you know, that's that's something I didn't even know existed. And and so I guess one question is, how much of that does, does that continue um, going forward? Um, and then also in the last couple of years, there's just been a couple of things that have happened that, that are maybe unpredictable. I mean, all of a sudden, um, CMS is rolling out, you know, an acute care in the home model. And, and now there's a real hospital at home, not just sort of a one-off um, at Mount Sinai or Johns Hopkins, but but there's dozens and dozens of them. And, you know, where does that go and what does it look like and, and how does it evolve over the next few years? Um, I think if you were to ask a lot of people who are very well versed on, uh, on the whole concept of acute care in the home, um, you'd probably get a lot of very, very different answers about the future of hospital at home and higher acuity care in the home. Some are very bullish and say it's great and it's going to be great for home health and it's going to, it's going to really take off. And then others um, um, maybe uh, throw a little bit of cold water on that and say, uh, I'm not so sure. It's, it's an unproven model. And oh, by the way, it's really hard to do. Um, and I think there's another piece in the equation, which is you need for there to be sort of a lever higher up in, in the food chain for it to all work. You know, it's predicated on health systems um, wanting and needing to discharge, you know, lower acuity care so so that they can fill their beds with higher acuity care. And and I, I see that. And I on paper, that certainly makes a lot of sense. But it has to happen in, in fairly large volume for it to be 
really sustainable. And so I, I guess um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, in what pockets of the country is that going to happen? And, and we're going to probably watch it very carefully to see how that plays out and, and who owns it and what does it mean for, for home health? And um, back to your question, I, I guess the one thing that is on a lot of people's minds, and it's been on people's minds in this industry for a long time, and it will continue to be, is how do I get to own a little bit more of the care coordination and not be commoditized? And so if you just look at hospital at home as, as, a, as sort of a, um, a bellwether for the degree to which um, home health um, uh, avoids becoming commoditized, I think it's it's really interesting case study. Um, will there be partnerships where home health kind of owns part of it? I think that's why Amenesis' acquisition of Contessa is really exciting and, and, and fun to watch because they want to own it. They don't want to be you know the, the downstream player. Yeah, all things in the home for Amenesis will go through Contessa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I have to think that the the Bertzorg model has to be. Uh, incorporated into a hospital at home model where uh, you can't have doctors driving around all day, right? The whole value of them being in a hospital is that they're accessible at all times and you have, you know, and in any emergencies, you see the doctors running down the hallway. And so the idea of having your entire care team basically live in your neighborhood, um, that's where I think that you could uh, marry the two elements of people wanting to age in the home and us wanting to keep people out of expensive uh, hospitals or buildings, but at the same time, being able to deliver high value care. And so these, these doctors literally have to be physically in close proximity to all the patients as well. Well, you know, you just brought up something that, that is, um, you know, makes me think of of another um, potential impediment to a lot of this advancing as quickly as we would hope it would. And that is, you know, you have um, a lot of innovators, progressive innovators, um, uh, medically home uh, being one of them, um, and dispatch and what have you. And they all have a vision and they all see where things are going. And I think we all agree with them. Um, But there are some fairly large levers that need to be pulled um, and historically, CMS hasn't pulled those um, as quickly as we'd like to see them. Um, and so I think that remains to be a really big question is, you know, um, is there going to be enough greasing of the wheels to allow for some of these more progressive value oriented models um, to advance? Um, there was a time, I think we all remember, Back in uh, 2014, 15, 16, where the drumbeat from CMMI uh, was about um, value-based care and, and innovation and what have you, and then it cooled down quite a bit. And I think that's a big question mark. Um, and certainly one of the questions I'm going to be asking Seema Verma at HI Squared is, when do we get that drumbeat moving back again um, toward more value-oriented care? Um And uh, even things like, you know, bundled payments where there was an opportunity for, you know, a post-acute provider to to, um, own a bigger share of the the savings. Um, It seems like that is still kind of missing. Um, And I think a lot of people are are hoping and waiting that those levers are going to be pulled to allow organizations to, to sort of capture a little bit more of the value creation um, that they're that they're delivering. I think the latest number that I saw was something like about one out of every three home health agencies are not tracking uh, outcomes, right? And so uh, that that's probably disproportionate to the smaller uh, companies, but uh, I think it's also indicative of, um, you know, even speaking with health systems and I asked them, you know, what are you doing for clinical reporting and uh, how are you trying to, you know, predict what's going to happen and not just report on what has happened? And, uh, I, you know, most, most organizations are still trying to keep their head above water, right? And all of this is, is paramount for us to move to a value-based pay world. Well, so what you just said right there is off, often comes up in, in the context of a conversation around the speed at which consolidation is going to happen. And you often hear people uh, say, sure, consolidation is going to happen very quickly because there are organizations um, 
just taking PDGM, for example, who, who just can't keep up, right? They, they, they can't keep up. And so they're going to be gobbled up. Um, um, and there's going to be a lot more consolidation. I, I think that your comment earlier about very few owning anything more than, than sort of a, a small percentage, um, would suggest that it's going to be a long time before there's, there's so much consolidation that, that it looks like other industries. It's still going to be very disparate. But on the PDGM level, on the ability to negotiate contracts with, with Medicare Advantage level, a lot of those smaller guys um, are probably not going to have the wherewithal to, to, um, to really make it on their own in kind of the, the new world order, if you will. Well, speaking of adapting, March of two years ago hits, uh, not a particularly great time to be in the conference business, <laughs> especially uh, high-end conferences, especially for an audience that's very health conscious. Uh, what's uh, been the last two years for you guys? How have you guys adapted? I know you've got these intelligence groups and uh, you guys are more than just a, uh, a premium you know, group of conferences to go to. So bring us through, you know, COVID hits and how have you guys adapted and, uh, and what does, you know, your sort of like this hybrid world look like for you guys now? Yeah, that's great. Um, well, I would say one thing, and that is um, in real estate, they say everything is location, location, location. And in, in our world, I guess everything is timing, timing, timing. And we have the good fortune of having had two of our conferences in 2020, not least of which was Home Care 100, which is one of our, our larger um, conferences, and that served us very well. And, and that, I don't know if cushion is the right word, but it gave us a, a little bit of breathing room um, uh, to say, okay, we now need to take a, a very long, hard, deep look in the mirror and decide, you know, what does the next six, nine, 12 months look like? Um, I do remember conversations. I'm sure everyone has has these memories where we thought we'd be back up and running um, by the latest, by the, by the summer of 2020. <laughs> My boss said, hey, well, I'll see you in two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so we thought it was going to be relatively short-lived. Um, and it turns out, I just had this conversation with someone the other day, and it turns out that it was almost exactly two years, right? So, so that's all in hindsight, but it is interesting to see how long did it last. I think, I think we can all say that it's kind of winding down. But in terms of what it meant for us is um, there was an insatiable appetite um, um, to understand what this means for the provider community. And um, we decided to lean into that challenge and for the first six months, it was quite literally like drinking from the fire hose because we were um, putting together, um, and then you can just sort of fill in the blanks, webinars, podcasts, um, 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 you know, CEO roundtable calls on a very regular basis across all of our segments to provide information about what was happening. And, and um, very often that was in the form of immediate emergent um, COVID-related information. Um, I can honestly say I'm very glad that those days are over because I, I felt as though I had become sort of a, a COVID expert. Um, and um, um, not that, that it w was a bad thing to learn, but, you know, that really wasn't, wasn't um, kind of where our heads had been at up until that point. But we had calls with epidemiologists on, on, on a weekly basis, and we were, you know, doing all of these think tanks. And you take that and you combine it with, um, where we saw things going, you know, sort of indefinitely. Is this, how long is this going to last? And, and is there now an appetite for more digital content? And that was a little bit of the genesis of the intelligence group. The backstory to the intelligence group, though, is that for a long time, we had wanted uh, to do something um, much more frequent than a once-a-year conference. And in fact, we... Um, uh, got something off the ground several years ago that we called the Lincoln Intelligence Group um, that was designed specifically for that. Um, but there probably wasn't as much of a need uh, or demand at the time. People were much less versed in sort of Zoom calls and what have you. But we had that in our DNA, that desire to want to, to um, bring together 
more frequent connections with our constituents. And so you take that background and then the reality in front of us, and that was what led to the beginnings of the um, what is the Home Care Intelligence Group and the Lincoln Intelligence Group. And um, it's really turned into something um, very rich for us that is um, all about connections um, and content. And um, it's kind of like a light consulting business in many regards um, because it is a membership model. So um, they tend to be um, uh, very active um, and there are fewer of them. Um, And so we try to provide as much value as we can in terms of bringing them the right content and, and helping them make the right connections. Um, and then the piece that, that is the most exciting for us is, you know, all of the, the time and energy that you spend, um, um, you know, sort of becoming an expert, if you will, on a specific topic, um, you can now deliver that in a slightly different way in, in the form of maybe a presentation to a board um, or something um, along those lines. And so for the intelligence group, as a membership, do I, I still would have to meet similar criteria as the, the, the shows you put on the conference? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. similar. It's, it's not quite um, as restrictive, but the pool from which we pull um, are the executives from the organizations that attend our conferences. So, so I think there are very few um, organizations that, that come from outside that. And that's by design because a lot of the times when you're bringing people together on a roundtable call, um, it's really important that you have like-minded organizations. It, it would not make sense to bring Beata onto a call with a very, very small organization. They're, just, they're, they're looking at the world through, through a different perspective. Yeah, it's the same crowd regardless of what uh, what either conference or intelligence group that we're – it's a, right across the brand. It's the exact same audience for sure. Yep. Okay, Tim, well, we're bumping up against our time here, so I'll get you out of here on this last question. What are your thoughts on uh, the future of conferences? Well, you know, it's been very gratifying for us to see the bounce back. You, you used the phrase earlier, conferences are back, um, and I think it's safe to say that, that they are. You know, we – I did, we didn't get into this earlier, but we did um, actually fulfill some in-person events in the end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021. I can tell you that that was a very interesting experience on, on so many different levels, um, testing and masking and social distancing and, and going through all of the different iterations of those who did or did not want that to be in place at an event that they were at. Um, and we saw all stripes and all colors and all, all permutations. Um, but, but it also gave us the perspective of, um, you know, are people ready? And I can say that at the end of 2020, they weren't. Uh, um, and in the beginning of 2021, I think maybe they thought they were, but then maybe um, it kind of uh, got bad again. Now it feels very different. Right now it feels very different. People are ready to turn the page. Um, and it feels good to be back. Um, but I do think that um, there's a couple of caveats that come with that. I think that um, maybe they're going to be a little bit more selective. Um, so if they can get some of their content through digital means, maybe they now say, I used to go to five events, I'm going to go to three. Um, or um, uh, if I'm really interested in one topic, like, like maybe, maybe the thing that drew me to a conference in the past was they had a session around um, – PDGM or um, Reach ACO. Um, maybe I don't need to go to the conference for that. Maybe I can just go to a webinar and get you know my dose. Um, but I will say that it's very hard, very hard to replicate um, in-person networking. And um, um, we know not only through our numbers of attendees, but also anecdotally that that is one of the things that people have, have liked very much about um, us slowly but surely putting the pandemic behind us and in, in being able to get back in person. And so we have every expectation that um, the, the shadow or the shroud of uh, COVID um, will have a significantly uh, less of an impact on people's desires to get together. And so now the ball is back in our court uh, to do what we feel that we do best, which is to make it attractive enough on a lot of different levels, including content, 
so that they say um, when I'm choosing the three versus the five, that one of them will be ours. Sure. And I think as humans, we have a powerful propensity to uh, want to keep things normal. And uh, everyone has a couple years of pent up desire to uh, not only live a normal life, but actually have gratitude as to uh, you know how, how great normal can actually be. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one quick little anecdote. You know, we score everything. I mean, as, as, as you can imagine, uh, metrics are a big part of what we do. So we, we want feedback and we want to hear what people have to say. And we were patting ourselves on the back for the first couple of conferences that we, we did, you know, the end of last year and the beginning of this year because the scores were so great. And then we quickly came to the realization that part of the reason the scores were so great is just there's this natural jubilation to get back out of the office and sure, back with yeah. other people. Hugs and handshakes. Yeah, <laughs> we, we quickly realized that part of it was us, but part of it was just the sheer um, uh, ability to, to put the Zoom behind and get back um, in person. And um, we're trying to ride that momentum and, and, and hopefully it'll stick around for a while. Well, Tim, it's been a pleasure uh, meeting you virtually. I hope to meet you in person one day. Hopefully, uh, we can have a drink at the next Home Care 100 conference or wherever they let me out of the house to go to. Maybe I'll <laughs> see you at the uh, HI Squared. So I would like that. Thanks for coming by today uh, and uh, keep up the great work. Thank you. Nice meeting you. Home Health 360 is presented by Care. First off, I want to thank our amazing guests and listeners. To get more episodes, you can go to aliacare.com forward slash home health 360. That's spelled home health 360 or search home health 360 on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. The easiest way to stay up to date on our new shows is to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also have a newsletter you can sign up for on aliacare.com forward slash Home Health 360 to get alerts for new shows and more valuable content from Aliacare right into your inbox. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.